you feel it, you know it. D. Raw Productions. Week one, 
it kind of tells you a story about a team, but it also doesn't. And you got to kind of see them against a couple other teams to really understand where that team really is going to fall up at. And by me saying that, the Houston Cougars will take on the Rice Isles that also lives and stays and breathes in Houston. And this Rice Isle team just took on the University of Texas. And, of course, we didn't really expect the Rice Owls to defeat the Texas Longhorns. Uh, they did lose 37-10. to And, overall, UT looks pretty solid. But I'll tell you this. Quinn Ewers, pretty good quarterback. 19 for 30, 260 yards, 3 TDs. JT Daniels, uh, like a 10-year fucking senior. Uh, he went 14 for 26, 149. One TD, two interceptions. He did not have enough pass protection against the tough UT D-line, but, I mean, he could have still played better. He could have played smarter because I've seen him just throwing things away under pressure. He's very trigger-happy. There's a lot of things that this Rice team can improve on, but I will tell you this. They held UT to 23 points um, at least for, like, two or three quarters. You know, and they, they had a field goal, so it was 23-3. to three. Um, I think they can improve their offense to, you know, just be better as the season go along because one thing about the American Conference that they just joined as well, um, a lot of these teams like to put up points and they're going to have to figure it out. But with that being said, as long as they held UT to what they did, 23 points, I will say this, UT might need to improve on their offense, but also Rice might actually have a solid defense. And this game will actually uh, give me some kind of point of view on where the Houston Cougars may lie because the Rice Owls and the Houston Cougars will face off against each other in week two. And that 37-10 uh, win by UT could possibly possibly be repeated, you know, for the Houston Cougars to win 37-10. And if both of the teams beat them by 37-10 or some 27-point advantage, I think both teams might be at the same level. And come October 21st, when the Houston Cougars take on the UT Longhorns, it'll give me an idea of what to expect when both teams meet each other on that field. Now, the Texas Southern Tigers just went through the Labor Day Classic, and they took on the Prairie View Panthers. Victory for Prairie View, 37-34, uh, disappointing in TSU, and their late game uh, offensive play calls. They didn't run the ball enough. They have a big back, 225 pounds. I think he's about six foot tall. Why do you just continue to keep running the ball down the throat of the PV and m Panthers? Disappointing. PV will be taking on Adeline Christian next week as the Texas Southern Tigers take on Toledo. I believe TSU will get their second loss of the season. And PV will get their second win of the season against an undefeated Abilene Christian team. Uh, this might be a slobber knocker, but who knows? We will see as this week progresses until Saturday. Let's talk about the most special team in the Houston area. Do you know what team that is? I'm talking about the Houston Christian Huskies. And you know why they're so special? Because of my nephew, Dylan McClendon. People, if you don't know who Dylan McClendon is, look him up. He's a baller. He's a freshman linebacker for HCU, and I'm hoping to see him ball out soon. Um, 
HCU recently took on Arkansas Baptist week one. They beat them 66-0. Um, Arkansas Baptist was a team that was very, very, very disappointing from all standpoints, all point of views that you could look at uh, a football team that plays college football, period. Uh, NAIA team uh, that really just didn't bring much to HCU as far as a competitive uh, advantage. But I will say this. They left it all out there on the field. They learned, and hopefully next week when they play their next opponent, they look a lot better. And hopefully I can say the same for ACU because of them playing an opponent so, so low and, you know, excelling at everything that they was trying to do. I don't know if they're really ready for this Western Kentucky team that they'll have to go on the road to face. Western Kentucky uh, is a pretty solid team, and they will be looking to beat down on ACU, how ACU just beat down on Arkansas Baptist. But hopefully, this is only a learning curve for ACU as they prepare for UT Martin in week three, because UT Martin was a team that played pretty damn well in the first half against Georgia. So... When Western Kentucky and ACU faces off against each other, um, you only can really expect the least the least amount of success for ACU. But I think it'll be a great learning curve for ACU going into Western Kentucky. Um, Western Kentucky comes in one and ACU one and and Western Kentucky just handled up on South Florida. With a 41-24 victory. Um, Western Kentucky is favored to win by a large margin, 96% uh, over ACU. But hopefully, ACU gets a chance to go in there and learn. Hopefully, some of the freshman players can get some burn and um, come out, out there with a, a mental victory. Because, honestly, I just don't see it happening physically in the reality of this world. Um, but I, I hope I hope it is a very good learning curve for both teams and on many perspectives. Now let's just wrap up this college football thing. Let's look at some of the big dogs, some of the big games that we're looking forward to seeing uh, in week two. Now to open up week two, we have the Fighting Illini and the Kansas Jayhawks. Now for you guys who don't know who the Illini is, it's Illinois and Kansas. And uh, Kansas is favored by three points in this game. And I actually think that this uh, line will actually increase as the week comes closer to Saturday. Uh, because I think the Kansas Jayhawks will run away with that game. Offense is on fire, as always. And they've been firing on all cylinders for the last year or so. Now, a lot of people might overlook this game. Baylor and Utah. Baylor just lost against Texas State, which was very disappointing. Baylor will be coming back for redemption against Utah. Utah just beat Florida. And I think this game will be closer than the spread saves, which is eight points. And it will still go in the favor of Utah. As, as said, Utah wins this game pretty easily, but a close one. Colorado and Nebraska. Congrats to Dion on his first college football win in the NCAA FBS level uh, at Colorado away against a, a solid TCU team. Um, I think Colorado will go against 
the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers at the same rate. But the only thing that's going to be different about the Cornhuskers is that they're going to bring a solid, solid defense. And I just don't know if they're going to be able to really just put up that many points against Nebraska. Now, on the offensive side, Nebraska might not be able to score like that, but their defense is going to keep them in the game. Colorado's favorite to win by three points, and I'm going to ride with it. A&M and Miami. The U looks to try to get a victory against A&M um, at home, and Jimbo Fisher is searching for another win for his career. He has not been looking too well since Florida State, and since he's been at A&M, I've really just been totally disappointed in him. Um, I will say this. Miami, they have been trying to redeem themselves from the early 2000s, but I really just don't see it ever happening again. Them being in a solid conference and not being able to recruit the proper way and to pull in the, those high school athletes in Florida. Um, I just don't really see this Miami team being a solid Texas A&M team coming from the SEC. I think Jimbo gets his second win, a well-needed win to kind of prove that he still got it. Um, and I think they'll move on to become 2-0. and and Miami will go down to one and one. It's really uh, a telltale for me. And that's going to be Oregon and Texas Tech. Although Oregon is favored by six and a half, Texas Tech is coming back for redemption. They, they put up a lot of points against a, a solid Wyoming team. A lot of people are overlooking them because they're Mountain Western Conference. And it's Wyoming. I mean, what do you expect? But you also got, got to look at some of the, the things they have to go through. A 7,000-foot climate where it's hard to breathe and a raucous crowd of Wyoming cheering on their team against a solid football team. Texas Tech will be home this week against Oregon, and Oregon is favored by the 6.5. I don't think I will see Oregon get this victory come Saturday at 6 o'clock. Because I think Texas Tech can score with the rest of them, the best of them. And I think that's what they'll do. This will be a slobber knocker. This will be a shootout in Texas Tech's favor. And I think that Texas Tech will actually win by the six and a half instead. But oh boy, the game of the week, game of all games, the game that all nine million people will be watching this week. will be Bama and Texas. Although Bama is at home favored by seven points, I see UT getting this victory. Number one reason is because UT almost beat Bama last year. And um, I think UT is in a much better situation to succeed against Alabama this year as far as quarterbacking and just the offense overall with the exception of not having B. John Robinson on their team this year. I think UT will be fine against Bama. Um, I, I'm not really sure what what to really expect in this game. I don't really think it's going to be a lot of points. I know the, the over is 54, but I actually think it's more going to be like 21 to 14, something like that. Uh, it is going to be a seven-point advantage in one of their favors, but I'm going to lean more towards Texas getting a win this time, especially looking for the redemption because of how last year's game ended. So 
if I'm you and I'm a better rival Texas. Now let's transition into the National Football League. Oh boy, have we been waiting. Today is the day. It is Thursday and we got Detroit and Kansas City tonight at 7.20 on NBC. And you got to ask yourself, who's going to get the victory? Now I know everybody's leaning towards Kansas City because of Patrick Mahomes and things like that. But let's be realistic here, people. Um, although 66.2% of the people who voted on the poll thinks that the Kansas City Chiefs will win the game versus the 33.5% that chose the Detroit Lions, I might have to lean the Lions' way. Only because, well, for one thing, I heard Travis Kelsey might be questionable. Yeah, it's not the first time that he's questionable, but we all know who Patrick Mahomes' favorite target is on first down and third down and in the red zone, and that's Travis Kelsey. We also know that Detroit is not a pushover team this year. Coming off of last year, where they actually had a winning season. Didn't make the playoffs, but definitely showed a lot of improvement in the last eight games in the stretch. So, I look forward to seeing Detroit actually compete, you know. Um, honestly, the spread is four and a half towards Kansas City. And I really can't see it go no other way but Kansas City. Sorry, people, for getting your hopes up. But, uh. Detroit will, will lose this game, um, but they will fight. They will make some good plays. I think it will be very exciting. I don't think y'all will see a blowout in week one um, in game one of the NFL uh, season, but um, it will be another win for Kansas City. Now, let's talk about my Houston Texans. Although the Houston Texans have not lived up to everyone's standards, this year, um, we are bringing in two top rookies in C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. And I know Will Anderson will come off that edge, and I think he'll be pretty dominant at his position in his first year of his career. He's too fast and too strong. Now, the question is, what's going on with the offensive line? Can the offensive line hold up for young C.J. Stroud? And can C.J. Stroud sit back in the pocket and really deliver on some solid throws? I think the answer is yes. I think the offensive line is going to be okay with the patchwork that we have had to do with the few injuries that we have taken on, uh, such as uh, Titus Howard being out for four weeks now, um, putting on IR, losing Juice Drugs for another four weeks as well, um, and then, you know, just Keon Green being out. But honestly... I really don't care that Keon Green is out because he's been a big disappointment ever since he's been drafted last year. Um, coming into this season, I see a lot of the same things happening. And to be fairly honest, on the play that he got hurt on, Keon Green had let the dude run right by him. And he just basically pushed him out the way and went for the sack. So I think he kind of did that because his, his emotions was hurt. He was... He wasn't hurt physically. He was just hurt overall emotionally on the inside, you know, more or less the outside. And then then he just decided, yeah, I mean, I need to sit down because I'm just not right, coach. You know, I, I need to go work out. I need to go hit the bench a couple more times, coach. I need to get on the field. I need to work on my footwork. I need to get 
better coach. And last year was just not enough for me, and I need another year to just sit out and roll into my third year, and I'll possibly, possibly be ready to get cut, coach, because that's what's going to happen. He's going to get cut. He's a big bust. Um, unfortunately, we, we used the first-round pick on him uh, last year, and this is the results that we get out of him. But I tell you what, um, Nathaniel Dell will ball out. Dylan Horton, he should show up at the DN position. Toa Toa, uh, he's been very impressive. He's even impressive enough to even uh, let Christian Kersky get cut. Now, that one was very debatable, but Kersky was not worth $5 million this year. Um, and we got Jared Patterson at the center position as well. So we have some players to show up and do some good things. We made some solid trades. Josh Jones, you know, uh, coming in as well as a fill-in and a solid lineman. Um, but I think we'll be okay, man. Just looking at the team, looking at what we're, what we're bringing in and going into week one against the Baltimore Ravens. I know we're not favored in that one. And honestly, I have to say that we probably won't win this game. 73.5% uh, say the Ravens beat the Texans uh, versus the 26.3% saying the Texans can get the win. Uh, both teams coming in undefeated, of course, 0-0. Zero zero. Texas got a lot of injuries. That's questionable. Um, Jimmy Ward, questionable. Gunn Mechie III, questionable. Uh, Ogan Bawale, questionable. Christian Harris, questionable. And then Titus Howard on IR. And then looking at the Baltimore Ravens, you got Marlon Humphrey, questionable. Ronnie Stanley, questionable. And Mark Andrews, questionable. Don't know the, the full situation of all these players that I just mentioned. Don't know who's really going to play until uh, possibly Friday or at the latest Saturday. Um, trying to see what we're really be matching up against. But Baltimore is favored by 10 points. And honestly, I can really see that happening. Um, when I was thinking about the game... I really just don't see us being able to contain Lamar Jackson the best way that we should um, and also stopping the run game because, like I said, the linebacker court is pretty questionable um, as far as, like, Christian Harris. We don't really know if he's going to play. We got Toa Toa, but he's a rookie. Um, Denzel Perryman, I think, I think and I know he's going to show up and do well, but outside of him, not so sure. I'm not really so sure about the pass rush. Um, having Jerry Hughes probably on the end with uh, Jonathan Grenard and then maybe Dylan Horton, you know, just swapping in here and there, trying to make some plays. And then also we got, uh, you know, a lot of new players just coming in and trying to make plays as well. I really do see us losing this game possibly anywhere from 27 to 17 uh, final in Baltimore's favor or, or possibly 31 points on Houston. Um, especially with Baltimore being at home in front of a 70,000 capacity crowd. Um, moving on, let's look at the NFL lines because we have some pretty good games here. And some of these games are must-watches week one. And I tell you, um, you got to be looking at this uh, Green Bay and Chicago game because that's one of the most historical games every year when they face off in the division as a rivalry. Um, although there's no more Aaron Rodgers, but you got two young black quarterbacks going up against each other. Uh, with Love 
and Justin Fields going head-to-head. Chicago opens this week one with a one-point spread in their favor to win the game. Uh, They say that both of these teams could possibly put up 42 points all together. Uh, I don't know if you want to take the over or under, but I'm going to go under that because I just don't know what kind of player Jordan Love is yet. Um, I think he still needs some more targets as far as receiver. Running back, he's fine. But everything else outside of that, man, Green Bay might be in trouble. And especially if Jordan Love hasn't got it figured out after all those years sitting behind Aaron Rodgers. But there's a good possibility Jordan Love could be the next star quarterback for Green Bay because this is a system that they have put together for the last couple generations of quarterbacks with Aaron Rodgers learning from Brett Favre and now um, Love learning from Aaron Rodgers, we could really see something, you know, pop off in Green Bay. But I'm going to take the Chicago Bears in this one as well. Um, Possibly seven points, I think, in Chicago's favor. I think Justin Fields is really going to make some strides this year, even though they finished last year at the bottom of the league. Um, I think they'll be pretty solid this year. Um, Another good game to look at is the Vegas game versus Denver. Um, Three and a half favor in the Broncos' uh, direction. But I got to say, I think Vegas will win this game fairly easily. Um, I really don't see a lot out of Russell Wilson. He's a, a shell of his former self. He's just out there. Really, I'm not going to lie. He's just raping them for money, man. He's raping them for money. Um, I think Jimmy G's going to get it done on the Raiders' side. He got nice targets on as far as receivers, Devontae Adams. And I don't really see anybody really being able to slow him down. On the Denver side, I don't really think they have the pass rush to really slow him down either. I think the Raiders will be fine this year with a good, solid run game, good, solid receivers. Defense is solid. Um, I see the Raiders winning this game by 14 or more points, honestly. Uh, forget the three-and-a-half spread going into Denver's uh, direction. Miami and the Chargers is also another highlight of this uh, week one of matchups because Miami is probably the most impressive team on paper, uh, speedy team on paper with um, Waddle and Tyreek Hill and Monster. And just all those other players that they have added to that team that can make plays. And if Tua has it all together between uh, his head, between his ears, um, I think he'll be okay. Tua should definitely get this win. I know it's in L.A. and the Chargers got Justin Herbert. And don't get me wrong, they're a pretty damn solid team as well. We just seen them have success for the last, what, couple seasons as well. And I think Justin Herbert is going to be even better this year. But, but, I believe Miami will find a way to pull off this game, possibly um, by three or more points in their favor instead of the Chargers' favor. Now, America's favorite team is playing the Giants, if you didn't know, week one, and it's going to be in New York. You got the Dallas Cowboys and the Giants going head-to-head on a Sunday night, 7.20 p.m., and um, Dallas is favorite to win. And I have to agree because, well, one, I might be a little biased. I, I don't, I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I really don't like Daniel Jones. 
I don't really see Daniel Jones really doing enough to beat the Dallas Cowboys week one. I think Dak Prescott is going to have one of the best seasons of his career this year because he really has the fire under him um, with that fourth round pick being traded to the 49ers for Trey Lance. Dak has to do his best. And at the first instance that he actually messes up, the media is going to be all over him. All the Cowboys fans is going to start chanting, Trey Lance, Trey Lance. And uh, honestly, we haven't really seen enough of Trey Lance to really say he's proven anything. But we've seen enough to say, hey, let's put Trey in because he was a top pick of the draft, what, a couple years ago. Um, unfortunately, he had a couple injuries. But I say Dallas Cowboys win this game. Dak Prescott rides off into the sunset this year and uh, plays at his best, if not Hall of Fame levels this year because he's never really had a young quarterback sit behind him and make throws that the way Trey Lance will be able to. And actually, I kind of take that back because whoever the backup was last year was actually pretty decent, and Dallas was doing okay with him before Dak even stepped into the game after uh, he had that injury and he was out for like a couple weeks. Um, honestly, man, I, I have to say I hope Dak really plays his ass off because if he don't, he's going to be benched and he's going to be traded and he won't be a Dallas Cowboy for long, I tell you that much. Monday night, we got the Jets and Bills. Um, got a Northeastern Classic, Rodgers versus uh, Josh Allen. And two and a half favor for the Bills uh, versus the Jets. And I can definitely see that. Because one thing is for sure, the Bills, they have all the, the magical makeups in every department of their team. Special teams, defense, offense, running backs, receivers, quarterback, D-line. They, they got something special in every corner of their team. And they all have been playing together for quite a while now. They've let that stuff marinate. Unlike the Jets, they got a new quarterback learning Aaron Rodgers' ways learning how he likes to have his his receivers placed place, uh, all over the field. Um, just, you know, it's a, it's a learning curve for the Jets. They're going to lose this game. Um, it might be more than two and a half uh, in the Bills' favor. Instead, you know, of the Jets surprisingly, uh, instead of the Jets surprisingly pulling off the dub, I do see the Bills getting this win easily. Um, I just don't really see Aaron Rodgers balling out. And hell, I haven't really seen Aaron Rodgers yet. And it's fair to say that Aaron Rodgers might come out there and be a shell of himself, just like Russell Wilson was uh, last year. So, hey, this should be an interesting game. I think all the eyes will be on this game because it's Aaron Rodgers' new team, his first game in New York. And uh, all the fans will be there to show up. But um, I got to take the, the Bills in this one instead of the Jets for sure. Now, people, um, it's almost time to wrap up this podcast. And let's just talk a little baseball before we do so. Astros are number one in the AO West currently. They're sitting at 80 wins and 61 losses. And they have finally surpassed the Seattle Mariners 
who are sitting one game behind them at 78 and 61 after sweeping the Texas Rangers um, who are sitting at 76 and 63 in the division. We have three teams battling it out for that number one spot. And today, the Houston Astros will be taking on the San Diego Padres for the next three games. And I think the Houston Astros actually have a good chance at possibly going on a six-game win streak and beating the Padres for the next six games while being at home and making that a home stand for sure. By the way, let's uh, cover this as well. Jose Abreu actually went out there and made some big shots. Three-run shot, grand slam. Wow. If anybody's been covering the Astros or watching the Astros, you want to say, uh, throughout this season, Jose Abreu has not been anything of his former self. And Altuve did something so great that only four players have ever done it. He hit a home run every inning, back-to-back, -back, three innings straight in one game. That's amazing. Congrats to Altuve. Astros keep trucking. Uh, and one thing I want to hit on, though. Somebody let me know. Why the hell did we go back and get Verlander? Was it really worth us doing so? Verlander wasn't doing too well in New York. So why was it smart to even pay the price to bring him back? And to be totally honest, what did Verlander ever really do for the Astros in the postseason? Besides being a mentor, he hasn't really been that great. Now, throughout the season, he's been terrific. But postseason, he, he's just like a shell of himself or something. I don't know if he gets butterflies in his stomach or something, but he's just not right. Hopefully, Verlander gets it together this year. I like seeing him win with the Astros. I like seeing him in a uniform. Hats off to him. He's a Hall of Fame player. But uh, I want to see him step it up. And I also want to see the rest of the Houston Astros pitching staff step it up. Because we got to do better. We got to be better if we want to go get that back-to-back, -back, you know? Thank you all for listening to the first Houston Sports Connoisseur podcast. It's your boy D-Raw, signing off.